Quarters of those afflicted survived, many condemned to life in a wheelchair, on crutches, or in bed. They joined a generation of cripples. If poliovirus attacked the nervous system higher up, in the base of the brain, death soon followed. Paralyzed throat muscles impeded swallowing. A sip of water streamed out the youngster's nose or drained into his windpipe, causing him to sputter and cough. Unable to swallow saliva, he foamed at the mouth. Breathing gave way to gurgling. As his mother wiped the blood-tinged froth from his lips, he gasped for air, drowning in his own secretions. The struggle over. His eyes rolled back, followed by a few muscle jerks. And the mother held her lifeless child. Poliomyelitis seemed to have a predilection for striking infants and toddlers. During the second week of July, 412 new cases were reported in New York. The next week, 712. Terrorized parents watched the figures more closely than the stock market. The disease erupted in Staten Island, Manhattan, the Bronx. It didn't distinguish between immigrants and the upper class. Those who could fled. Mothers swarmed into Grand Central Station and the ferry docks, dragging their children into the crowds they should have avoided. The exodus of almost 1,200 children a day halted when towns began to bar them. In Hoboken, New Jersey, guards patrolled city entrances. Policemen blocked 150 families trying to enter Hastings-on-Hudson. Distraught, they returned to New York, where the death toll continued to rise. Families unable to afford medical assistance at home were ordered to deliver their infected children to Brooklyn's Kingston Avenue Hospital for Contagious Diseases, where they were held in isolation for eight weeks. Prohibited from visiting, parents heard stories of hallways lined with metal cribs, children crying out in pain or pleading for water with no one to hold them. A knock at the door and a telegram notified parents to come retrieve their child's body. When parents looked up at the dark, looming fortress of Kingston Avenue Hospital, many turned away, hiding their youngsters at home. But once a public health nurse discovered a poliomyelitis case in a neighborhood, the sanitary squad conducted a house-to-house search for others. Watching a policeman snatch a child from her mother's arms reminded some of the pogroms that they had fled. By August, every isolation bed in New York was occupied. Many held three children. A baby died approximately every two and a half hours. Fear bordering on hysteria permeated the city. Then, when the weather turned cool, poliomyelitis disappeared, just as unexpectedly as it had come. In America's first major poliomyelitis epidemic, the poliovirus had infected approximately 8,900 in New York, leaving 2,400 dead, and many of the remainder paralyzed. Nationwide, it had afflicted 27,000, mostly children under five years of age. For the next 40 years, The carefree spirit of summertime was marred by the specter of this disease, now known simply as polio. Two years later, another disease ravaged New York, influenza. In 1917, with the country preparing to join the war in Europe, reports of a few cases sounded no alarm. Outbreaks occurred every winter. Characterized by fever, muscle aches, and intense exhaustion, the disease usually ebbed in a week posing a threat mainly to the elderly and infirm. But in the fall of 1918, 
influenza metamorphosed into a vicious monster. With no warning, a previously healthy person complained of an excruciating headache, like a demon pounding his temples with a hammer, stabbing his eyes. A temperature spike up to 105 degrees ushered in agonizing muscle pains, profuse sweating, and shaking chills. When the fever broke and relief seemed at hand, the coughing began. Mild at first, the cough deepened. The sputum turned bloody. A viscous fluid filled the lungs, and the patient gasped for breath, suffocating. No longer did it prey on the elderly. They seemed to be immune. Instead, this virulent form of influenza picked young, healthy adults as its victims. No one was prepared for its fury. Initially, the military was the hardest hit, as overcrowded camps and close quarters aboard ships favored its rapid transmission. In September, more than 12,000...